Testing, testing. One, two, three. Testing, 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 testing. Is that on? Good. Still people praying. It's good. You guys keep praying, I'll start talking. You can do two things at once. Multitask. We've been looking at this series of the reckoning. We've been asking ourselves the question, do I have a life, a faith life that's filled to the fullness of, that God wants for me? In other words, am I really a powerhouse for God? Am I walking in the fullness of the Spirit? Am I seeing God at work in my life in such a way that I can, I can declare truthfully and confidently, yes, I'm walking in the fullness of God. And I guess, you know, that question itself poses a self-reflection, doesn't it? Am I where God wants me to be? And that can be a, a difficult journey to ask that question. Am I really walking in God's fullness? But it's the right question to ask. And this morning I want to I wanna share with you on the topic of spiritual warfare. And it's really nice when your worship leader stands up and the first thing she says is, do you know that worship is warfare? What a great confirmation. I've been reading a very dangerous book. It was written by a little old lady. And those little old ladies, when they write books about the Lord, she was a lady called Jessie Penn Lewis. She was part of the Welsh revival uh, back in the, at the turn of the century. And she, she wrote this book called War on the Saints. And... Um, her thesis is basically this, where there's no forthright engagement in spiritual warfare, there's no fullness in God. In other words, if we're not willing to fight in the spiritual realm, if we're not willing to be soldiers for Christ, if we're not willing to get involved in the spiritual realm and the spiritual battle, then you cannot have fullness in God. You, they go together. They have to go together. Um, and it's a really powerful book and it's a reflection from her part um, I guess all the things that she saw in the Welsh revival and how just average everyday people suddenly had a revelation of the authority that God had given them. And because they appropriated that and then started to exercise their power, they started to see the enemy crumble. And they started to see great release, great revival, great healing, all sorts of things. So the thief, the devil, comes only to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus has come that you may have life, and have it to its fullness. That verse itself sets the whole context because it says God wants us to have this, but the enemy wants us to have this. They're diametrically opposed to each other. God wants us to walk in fullness, but the enemy's going to do everything in his power to make sure that that doesn't happen. He doesn't want us to be there. So we need to establish a healthy consciousness of the battle raging in the spiritual realm. There is stuff set against us. The enemy has schemes and tactics and all sorts of plans to come against you personally, to come against your marriage, to come against your family, to come against this church, to come against anything that would set itself up in opposition to him. That's just the truth. It's a fundamental truth to Christianity. And if we underplay or ignore the assignments of the enemy, we'll be overrun. He'll just have his way. He'll come in like a flood. He'll mess our lives up. So we ignore him to our own peril. He's the prince of the power of the air. 
He has authority on the earth. He's real. And he's alive and he's active and he's moving. He has rulers and principalities and powers, all sorts of a network of, 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 of demonic beings that are out there trying to what? Destroy and rob and steal. That's his job description. The problem is if we overinflate or fix our, ourselves on the enemy, we elevated his already defeated position. We give him more attention and more um, power than he really thought he should have. So we've got to find the right balance. We've got to just get the right context and fight the good fight, fight the spiritual realm. And this, I think, is the greatest. Um, you know, as God shared this. This psalm, it gives us a really true and accurate perspective of how we should see spiritual warfare. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Picture this. You are sitting down to this monumental feast. Better than Mark Wilkinson can whip up. I'm talking grapes and lamb and like the greatest feast ever. And right behind you. Is your enemy looking over your shoulder, trying to spoil the party. That's the context. But even though the enemy is there, we just get on with life that God has given us. We need to know that he's there because if we ignore him, he'll get us. So we need to stand our ground. We need to know how to fight. But we don't get that out of context. He is not greater than the one who is in us. No weapon formed against us shall prosper unless we let it. And so this morning I hope you hear me loud and clear that if we don't fight, we get what we get because we're not fighting. You can't avoid the fight. You avoid it at your own peril. If I was to speak this in certain churches around the place today, there'd be a reaction, a backlash, because people would say, oh, look, you know, you know, that fight's been won. And it has been. The battle's been won. The war's been won, but the battle's still going. And we're engaged in a battle whether we like it or not. Has anybody seen Lord of the Rings? The second one, when Aragorn and Gandalf are arguing, arguing with Theoden about whether or not he should go to war. And he goes, I'm not going to risk war on my people. And Aragorn turns to him and says, war is upon us whether you like it or not. And that's true of the spiritual realm that we're in. We're in a war. We have an adversary whose intent is to decimate our lives, to prevent us from getting into right relationship with God. He has no mercy and he won't concede. If he has Kerry backed into a corner and, and, and he's inside her head and he's given her a hard time, he's not going to get to the point where he goes, oh, gee, Kerry's fine now.
He'll do that any way he can. He'll do it covertly. He'll do it by stealth. He'll do it deceptively. He's the father of lies. He's just looking for an opportunity to come and make life miserable for us. So knowing that the devil will assign his forces against us personally, our marriages, our families, our church, our communities, we cannot address the topic of walking in the fullness of God without getting a right perspective on spiritual warfare. We've just got to fight. You have no choice. Well, you do have a choice. That's the point. If you choose not to fight, you'll get overrun and the enemy will come. He's not going to say, oh, I feel sorry for Noel that he's got a sore shoulder. He doesn't care. And he's relentless and he won't give up and he'll grind us into the ground if we let him. Now, that sounds fearful and scary, but it's knowing the other side of the ledger that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And all the authority and all the promises and all the weapons that God has given us to stand and resist. And not just to resist, but to advance. That's the point. We're not bunkered down. We're not going, oh, the enemy's out there. He's going to destroy us. No, he's going to go under our feet and we're going to crush him. But you need to be willing to do that. It's a fight and not everyone wants to fight. So the fullness of God is a lifestyle of freedom, of righteousness, of peace, of joy, none of which the enemy wants us to enjoy or embrace or appropriate or walk in. Or if we do get into a right relationship with God and you're in a good place with God, he's not going to go, well, Belinda's there now, I'll just leave her alone. He's going to wait for an opportune time, just like he did with Jesus. Jesus was tempted in the desert, what the scripture says, and he came back at a more opportune time. So he might give you a season of rest, but he'll just wait. He'll wait and then he'll strike if you open the door and you let him in. But we need not be frightened about all this. So is spiritual warfare foolishness? Or is it fundamental to really living in the fullness of God? It's fundamental. It really is. We've got to walk in the fullness of God, but we can only do that if we warfare, if we fight. This was a little search I did this morning. I typed in witches in the southeastern metropolitan Melbourne. Uh, you can't read them all. There's the Coven of Eternal Goddess, there's Aurora Australis, and there's Earthsong Reclaiming Community. They're all witches' covens. They're all within one kilometre of this building. Oh, this is just little old officer with farms. And <laughs> so if there's witches' covens, then they're praying against Christian churches and they're praying against Christian marriages and Christian families and they're working to do whatever they can to disrupt and they will if we let them. Thanks, Matt. My technical man's at work here. So God's graciously... So God has freely given us his fullness... That's for sure. So the only reason we would not be appropriating or experiencing God's fullness in our lives is because the enemy's robbed, stolen or destroyed what is rightfully ours to possess. He's come in and he's taken it. That's one option. The other option is we've chosen not to walk in submission and obedience to God's will and purposes. So what was rightfully ours, we've actually given it away. 
And there's a subtle difference in those because God's not responsible for the fullness of God. He's already given it. So it's for us to take, right? But, and we've got to appropriate that fullness of God. But we can also not take it because we let the enemy come in and rob it or we don't do the right things to walk in the fullness of God. So the enemy can rob, steal and destroy through ignorance, through immaturity, through innocence. Our freedom is taken from us. I'm sure if some of you go back into your past, you were abused. There were things that happened in your innocence. You had stuff that happened in your life that was traumatic and the enemy came in on the back of that and he stole your self-esteem or he stole things from you. You didn't know that there was a spiritual fight going on, but he came in and he took it. He doesn't care whether you're five and you're innocent. He wants to rob and steal and destroy. He wants to set up an encampment in your mind and in your heart so he has a foothold to destroy your life. And he'll do that if you're five and you got sexually abused or he'll do that because a bully in school called your names. He'll take any opportunity to rob, steal and destroy. So Satan can take ground, but we can also give him ground. We can also give him a foothold because we weren't diligent. We didn't maintain our freedom. We didn't have good defences. We didn't fight when he came against us. We just said, oh, well, oh, okay, have your way. I'll put up with the sickness. I'll put up with the lies in my head. So they see the difference? Sometimes it can happen and we're not that responsible. But the enemy will take it anyway. But sometimes we are responsible and we need to fight the good fight. So we need to get free and we need to stay free from anything that holds us back. We need the presence of the Holy Spirit to illuminate any infirmity, any bondage, any restriction, anything in our life that holds us back from the fullness of God. We've got to deal with it. And we've got to deal with it because we're giving the enemy something to come in and grab. Okay, so we need to tear that down. So there'll be areas of our life where we still need healing physically, emotionally, um, spiritually, and there will be areas where the enemy has a stronghold in our life. We've still got anger or guilt or bitterness or rejection or fear or addictions. The list could go on forever. You get the point. If there's something in my life, in Mark Wilson's life, that is not right, some hidden sin, some stronghold in my life, I've got to root it out. Because I'm giving the enemy a doorway into my life to disrupt. It's called a foothold. And we don't want to give him any ground. We don't want to give him any ground. So right now, we've been praying... God, for this church family, if there's anything left in the closet, if there's anything still in darkness in their life, if there's anything unresolved in their background, if there's any way that the enemy can come and strike us as an individual or a church family, Lord, bring it out. Bring it out into the light so it can be worked on. It could be hidden for years, but we want to deal with it. So walking in God's fullness involves a rigorous, sustained engagement in spiritual warfare. War is upon us. So we need to be confident of our resistance, of our weaponry, of our authority, and to exercise them, to discern the enemy's tactics, to thwart his plans and schemes, to occupy our ground, and to advance the kingdom of God. And I know as I speak that language, some people are already going, it's not that important, because that's the way the enemy works. He goes, look, don't listen to what Mark's saying. He's just been over the top. You know, he's just sensationalising. He's just, no, I'm not. I'm not because if we, if we let him, the enemy will come and he'll do whatever he wants. 
This is why the scripture says, be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Don't be on the menu. Okay, And you can only not be on the menu because you're alert and sober-minded and you're aware of, oh, this is the enemy at work here. Resist, stand, push him back. So we resist him, standing firm in the faith. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith. Be courageous, be strong. So what do we get? We get this vigilance, this watchfulness, this, uh, this readiness to confront whatever the enemy's seeking to do in our lives, in our family's lives. So know that you will surely be on the menu if you're not standing firm. So submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. So that's God's formula. Firstly, submit to God. Don't try and resist the devil without submitting to God. You're in big trouble. We've got to submit to God first. What does that look like? A life of intimacy with the Holy Spirit. A good prayer life. Feeding on God's word. You know, being in a place where we're living a submitted life to God, then we can stand and resist the enemy. Because we're standing in Christ. We don't have this baggage of lies and anger and hurt that the enemy can come in and just stand and trample on us. We've dealt with that. There's nothing for him to get to us in. Because we're in Christ and we're whole and we're moving with God. And then we resist him and he will flee. That's the promise of Scripture. That's the great part about it. If we submit to God, resist the devil, he'll go. Okay? So when Cheryl came home from her thing the other day and she was from her seminar that she was at and she wasn't feeling very well, I went to the front door, I opened the front door and I said, if there's any principality or power in my house that will not bow its knee to Jesus, get out. You have no right to be here. Or I could say, oh, it's bad luck, Cheryl. Sick, isn't it? Isn't that what we do? We just accept it? We get dulled into this lack of you know, alertness and attentiveness to the spiritual battle. So we've been looking at the fullness of God and we've been reading through Ephesians and Nikki shared last week about these incredible promises of God's fullness and his power and his love that's beyond human comprehension. But when we get to chapter 6 of Ephesians, at the end of it, Paul says, hang on a minute, all that stuff's really good. But finally... Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, and it's here, you may be able to stand your ground. And having done everything else, stand. Stand firm. Said it three times. I think it's important. Stand. Okay? Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert. And always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. That's a pretty significant passage of scripture. What it's really saying to us is it's not going to happen without a fight. You can't just sit in the chair and say, God, zap me. Fill me with your power. Make my life free and easy. It won't happen. We're in a battle, people. 
We're in a war. We're in a war. You can sit in the trench and say, I refuse to suit the enemy. Well, he's not going to walk up and say, oh, you don't want to fight me? I won't fight you. He'll shoot you. He'll take you out. That's what he wants to do. It's his job description. He knows no other ways. He's the accuser and he'll come and he'll do whatever he can to accuse you. So you have to fortify your mind and your heart and your life so you don't give him any ground. Don't give him any ground in your life. So it's affirmative action. It's actually getting on the front foot and saying, I'm not just going to wait for the attack to come. I'm going to actually be pushing the enemy back, pushing him back, pushing him back from my own life, from my marriage, from my family, from this church, from this community, standing on the ramparts. The scripture gives us that, that picture of standing on the walls of the city and seeing, oh, there's the enemy coming. Take him out. Don't wait till he's climbed over the wall and he's inside the house. Get him from afar off so he can't get near and can't have his way in our life. We've got to stand firm. We're not on R&R. You know, we haven't been given time out of the war. We're not in R&R time, you know. We're not Lieutenant Dan who's on holiday somewhere, okay. We're in the front line of a war. We're in the trenches fighting. We're not in a bunker mindset. We're not, we're not hiding, saying, oh, the enemy has this power over us. No, we're not. We've got an occupational mindset, which means this ground that God has given me, I'm standing in it and I'm not letting the enemy cross that line. That's my property. That's my house. This is my body. This is my life. You don't have a right to it. You can say, oh, you have your way. And he'll take it. But if you stand and fight... What's he going to do? He's frightened of you. He's intimidated by you, but he wants to intimidate you in return so you feel fearful and you feel, oh, who am I to fight the enemy? You're a somebody in the spiritual realm. You're seated with Christ. He has all authority and all power. And if your Bible reads the same as my Bible, Luke ten nineteen says that God has given me power over all the works of the enemy, not just some, all. So this is fundamental to us and it's okay to get angry about it. In fact, I want you to get angry about it. I want you to get a bit riled up. I want you to fight because it's a fight. What did Paul say to Timothy? Fight the good fight. We don't fight with guns. We don't fight with foul language. We don't fight with our fists. We fight with the weapons that God has given us. And the kingdom of God is forcefully advancive and forceful people laid hold of it. You cannot be a wimp and be a Christian. It's not an option. And it doesn't matter whether you're a little old lady because little old ladies can discern the truth and they can use the weapons just as much as a big Darren can. It's got nothing to do with your physicality. It's got to do with understanding who you are in Christ and what right the enemy has and what right you have. And if you know your rights, you're like a, you're like a landlord that can go to the tenant and say, you not, have no right to do that in my house. Get out. Stand your ground. Out you go, enemy. And that's what we need to do. We need to not just say, I'll occupy my turf. We need to advance the kingdom. So we need to be doing things like praying over this area and saying anything that's coming into this region that's not of God, we want to tear it down. We're not just going to let it come in. I'm not going to let witches come and set themselves up here and be comfortable. 
Because I know the weapons and the power God has given to us as a church body can tear that down, can thwart anything that they're doing. Here's the point. The greatest weapon the enemy will use against us is passivity, to be passive, to just, oh, easygoing, docile, just sit back and let it happen. So we're deceived into a lack of vigilance. We're deceived into a lack of resistance, deceived into spiritual lethargy. And that, that sort of erodes our resolve to stand, you know. It's, oh, it's too hard. It's such a battle. I'm weary. I don't want to, you know. And we lay down our arms. We're not watchful anymore. And, and the enemy's subtle. He doesn't turn up on your front doorstep, you know. Oh, just let you know I'm coming. He just subtly gets in, doesn't he? And it's like when you're overrun, you realize, oh, I'm overrun. You've got to get to him before he overruns. What are you doing? So when our defences are down, he'll come in, he'll corrupt our thinking, our reasoning, our attitude, our standards will drop, our hope, our expectation. Don't give the devil a foothold. Don't give him a way in. Don't give him a way. So for though we live in this fallen world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take every thought captive and we make it obedient to Christ. What I'm talking about this morning is that this spiritual battle in the spiritual realm, it's invisible, we can't see it, we can see it played out in the physical, but it's actually been waged in the spiritual, is mostly fought in between your two ears. In your mind, that's the battleground where the enemy will come and try to entrench himself. He'll try to find a way in. The battle's won and fought in the mind. So we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So any ungodly thought that is given ground in my head will spawn into a lie or into fantasy or into unbelief or into to criticism and then what I'm really letting the enemy do is come along with his shovel and dig a trench in, in, in my mind and, and take a place there. So the enemy comes along and he says, Kerry, you know, you're useless. You like that word, don't you, Kerry? <laughs> and that's a thought that he's dropped into my mind, right? What do I do with that thought? There's two ways it can go. I can go, you know, I am pretty useless. You know, think of all those mistakes that I've made and, and, and you're beginning to let the thought take root and sprout and spawn. And pretty soon that uselessness becomes a self-esteem that's crushed and broken. And so anytime someone comes along and says, Kerry, could you do this for me? You go, no, but I'm useless. But what happens if that thought's planted in Kerry's head and she goes, no, that's not true. That's not what the Bible says about me. The Bible says that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. The Bible says that I'm a new creation in Christ. So we substitute the lie for the truth. That's your weapon. The weapon is the word of God. And we take that and we use it all the time. If you don't know what the weapon is, you can't repel the enemy. <laughs> so that's why we need to know the word of God. You know, people say, I'm fearful. There's a thought. What do you do with the thought? Oh, yeah, I am pretty frightened. Well, I, you know, I'll, I'll retreat a bit. No, the Bible said God did not give us a spirit of 
fear. We are not timid, but we have a sound mind. And our sound mind can reason God's truth against the enemy's lies. But if you let him breed that lie in your life, what he'll do? He'll come in and put another lie on top of that one and another one on top of that one until he's got this tower built up in your mind. And it's a stronghold and he's got you bound and captive. Who can break that bondage? Only you can. I can come and pray for you. Kerry, don't be fearful. Don't think that you're useless. But if you're still letting that record play over in your mind, it's not until the point where you say, no, that is not truth. I will not accept the lie that you begin to fight. Because <laughs> you're, you're, you're speaking God's truth out. What does the Bible say? The, the tongue has the power of life and death. Right? So if I believe the lies, I'm just propagating death in my, in my mind. I'm not being renewed. I'm being whatever the opposite of renewed is. I'm going down. But once I can start to take that, that mindset you know, and speak out God's truth, the enemy will what? He'll flee. He'll come back, but you'll do the same thing again. And he's just waiting. Why did the enemy leave Jesus? Because he said, it is written. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. It is written. So he used scripture to repel Satan. And Satan got annoyed because he didn't get any ground and he left him for a more opportune time. And that's the principle for us. We've got to take away any right he has to occupy. You know, I heard um, people this, uh, this week saying, you know, I'm so anxious, I'm so worried. Well, when I read scripture, that's a sin. That's a lie. That's not standing on God's truth because Jesus said, my peace I give to you. My peace is not the peace that the world knows. He says, do not be worried about anything. Today has enough worry for itself. So don't worry about tomorrow. But in, it, but in everything through prayer and supplication, make your requests be known to God. And the peace of God will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. That's the sword of the spirit. Cut it down. Cut it out. And let your mind be a place where the enemy has no ground. He should be frightened of you. He should be. When he comes anywhere near Melissa and Melissa goes, right, you want to fight? I'll fight. Let's get my Bible out and I'll show you a thing or two. That's the right reaction. you know. And it's not just Melissa doing it in her strength or Mark doing it in his strength. We're calling on the one who has all authority and all power to go into the battle for us. So are your kids struggling with their self-esteem? Why? Because the enemy's got a root in their life and you as parents need to teach them how to get it out, how to cut it out. But first and foremost, stand over men, stand in authority over your families. And if anything wants to get to your family, tell it that it has to come to you first. When we're in Fiji and I'm the leader of the team, if there's any prince or impality and power that wants to affect my team, you come to me first and I'll wrestle with you and I'll battle you. Why? Because there's, there's authority. And God's given you authority over your own body, over your own mind, over your own family, over your own marriage, over your own resources. Fight for what's yours. Don't let the enemy come to your banquet table and say, I'll have that piece of chicken. I'll have that drink. He's got no right. Even though he's present at the banquet table, he doesn't get to eat. Don't let him. 
Don't let him rob, steal and destroy what's rightfully yours. You're the landlord. So fortify your minds against any ungodly thinking. Don't let it run unchecked. So we're watching a television program and a half-nude lady comes on the screen and my mind goes, that's nice, isn't it, Mark? What do I do? I can let the thought run and go, that is really nice. And it will turn into fantasy and fantasy will turn into lust and lust will turn into a need for pornography. And then I'll have an affair because I'm feeding the wrong mindset. I've got to rip that thought out, take it captive and make it obedient to Christ and say, you bow your knee to Jesus. He's the Lord of my mind and that's filth and I don't want it in there and I will not put up with it. Get out of my mind. And it's going to be a battle because he'll come back because he knows where we're weak. But the more that we resist and we entrench God's truth in our life, he knows the battle's even harder and he won't, he'll leave us alone. But if he gets a foot in, if Kerry starts to go, oh, yeah, I am a bit useless. I don't really think I can stand at the door and welcome people. I'm not a very well warm person. He's got you. He's got you. And he'll hold you till you're fed up with it and you go, well, no more. No more. You are not having my life. So wield the sword of the Spirit and retrain your mind. Substitute the lie with the truth and keep doing it. That's why the Word of God's got to dwell in us richly. I think there's, some, there's something really powerful about when we do warfare that we speak it out. Not just do the words in our mind, but we actually speak it out. It's like this. At the Battle of Jericho, you've got to get around your enemy and you've got to shout the walls down. Sometimes you've got to get around that thing that's pressing in and say, no, enough. Do something in the physical that demonstrates in the spiritual what's happening. That's why I open the door when there's sickness and say, get out. So I physically want to engage in a spiritual process of getting things out and standing my ground. But don't get proud. It's not your battle. It's the battle that the Lord's already won. The battle belongs to the Lord. He, he trains our hands for battle and our fingers for war. God is my fortress and my strength my rock and my strong tower. It's him that does the battle. Read Jude sometime when the archangel Michael, or Gabriel was it, was fighting with the, body, with the devil for the body of Moses. Even he didn't accuse the devil. He said, the Lord rebuke you. So if the archangel's not prepared to do it, I'm not prepared to do it either. But that's the spiritual principle. Invite God into the battle. He's the captain of the host of heaven. Just as the enemy has a cohort, has a, you know, layers of generals or lieutenants or whatever, so does God. And if you ask him to assign angels to come and intervene and be at work, they will come. So use the weapons that God has given you. For you were once in darkness, but now you are in the light of the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, wake up, sleeper. Wake up. You're in a battle. You're going to get overrun. The enemy wants to get you. Don't let him. Wake up. 
Sound the alarm. Ring the whistle. Get out of the trench. Charge at the enemy. Don't let him have his way in your life and Christ will shine on you. So be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, thinking that there is no battle, thinking that the enemy will just leave me alone. You're not a, don't be a soft target. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So what thought patterns are you letting the enemy control? (laughs) But you don't need to let him control. That's the point. Sometimes you've got to draw a line in the stand and you've just got to say, I'm going to fight. It's not about feelings. It's about God's truth and declaring God's truth. The feeling will come after the fact. The truth is standing on God's word. We even sung about that before. As I stand on your word, Holy Spirit, we sang it. (laughs) That's the proclamation of truth. And we need to learn that we are in a battle and God's got his fullness here for us to embrace and to take. But don't you worry, the enemy doesn't want you to have it. And if you, if you give him ground, he'll hold you back. And I'm saying fight. Fight. doesn't matter if you're 15. You can fight as much as a 55-year-old because it's about the authority that God has vested in you. Luke 10:19. If you have your Bible there, I want you to get a pen out and underline it. Such an important scripture. I have given you, I want you to put your name in there, I have given Kerry authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. What a great promise. Nothing will harm you unless you let it. No weapon formed against me shall prosper unless I'm not vigilant, unless I'm lazy, unless my fortress is not up. Does that make sense? You can't go into the fullness of God without entering the battle. You've got to be standing strong in the spirit of God. So whatever's happening in your mind and your heart, if there's something there, that's holding you back. Sometimes because the enemy's had his foot on that place for so long, it's so hard for you to break free. You need somebody else to come in and help you get free. And they'll teach you how to stay free. That's the point. Just because we have salvation, just because we've come to the Lord, doesn't mean all those bondages come off. Sometimes we've got to get back in and wrestle with the places that the enemy's had in our soul or in our mind, and do some work to undo the work that he's done and tear down anything that's there and smooth it over with God's healing and retrain our minds to stand in authority over that. You're responsible for not letting the enemy have a place in your life, in your mind or in your heart or in your emotions. So I hope that makes sense to you today. I hope that's an encouragement to you because you've got the authority. 
It's just a matter of exercising it. And the enemy doesn't want us to exercise that weaponry, that power. I remember when I was going through theological college, um, our lecturer was trying to give us a visual to get this into perspective. And he had, we had blackboards back in those days, showing how old I am. And he drew this like this. He wasn't a very good artist either. A foot and this big leg going, going up, you know, up the blackboard. And then he drew a little stick figure down in the corner. He said, the little stick figure's Satan and the big foot, that's just the foot of God. Get it in perspective. The enemy wants you to think he's that big. But he's only this big. Fight the good fight. Stand firm. Resist. And if you're struggling to resist, please ask for help. Ask for help. There's nothing that you're going to tell me that I haven't heard before. There's no shame. There's no guilt. There's no sin that you've committed that I probably haven't committed myself. Let's be certain about that. Or that I haven't heard. Okay, we've heard all sorts of ugly stories, so you're not going to shock me and I'm not going to be embarrassed by it and I'm not going to think any less of you if you come and say, Mark, I've got this struggle in my mind, I just can't get victory in it. That's being humble. That's coming and saying, I'm a wounded soldier, would you help me get well? That's what we need to do as a body. We are a family, we are a hospital, and we are also an army. And I want to raise up an army. But you can't raise up an army when people are wounded because the enemy has ground. You've got to heal, be whole. And then you can not only stand your own ground, you can go help other people. That's the whole point. (laughs) People that are out there in the world that are in bondage, we can go and minister to them. We can set the captives free. We can open blind eyes. We can lay hands on the sick. But if we've got doubts and fears and things in our mind where the enemy's just poking around all the time, it's time to stand, isn't it, Alasa? You've learned how to stand now, haven't you? And you're going to stand in your freedom and you're going to take authority over your family and you're doing that and you're seeing the victory because you've drawn a line in the sand. And that's the challenge. That's the challenge. don't quite know how to finish today. <laughs> but I knew when I started this week that that's what God was saying to us as a church. The fullness is there. We're moving into it. But what will get us off track is if there's something that the enemy can hold us back on. So I'm just going to pray. I'm going to ask God to illuminate anything in your life that is still a struggle. And if you find that you cannot have victory over that in your own life, then please come and see Cheryl or myself or somebody. We will go the distance with you. I will walk to the ends of the earth with you. If you want to get it right, I'll walk with you. We'll take you through freedom in Christ. We'll use some tool some you know something to get you free because it is for freedom that christ set you free that's the beauty of being free isn't it there's no shackles there's nothing to hold you back let's pray thank you Lord. father i want to thank you that the battle belongs to you that, Lord, as we read through Revelation, we know what the end product is. You've won the war. But, Lord, right here in, in this lifetime, in, in this season of our lives, Lord, we know that we're in a battle. And Satan is the prince of this earth and he has certain rights because we as men forfeited back through Adam. 
But Lord, you're a God of restoration. You came and you crushed the enemy. On the cross, you made a public spectacle of him and you thwarted all his power. You conquered sin and death. You died as Mark Wilson on that cross. You died for my sin. You died for my failures. The penalty has been paid. I'm a new creation. But the enemy doesn't want me to embrace that. He doesn't want me to walk in it. And Father, I just pray today that by your Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, that you would just show each and every one of us where the enemy still has a foothold, where he still has a place in our mind where he comes against us and he pushes us back where we retreat instead of standing firm. Father, today we need to declare thus far and no more. We want to break the back of the enemy's encampment in our heart, in our spirit, and in our mind. Lord, you said, you said through David, search me and try me. Test me, Lord. See if there's any wicked way in me. Lord, see if there's anything left that's offensive to you or, or will be a hindrance to the fullness of God. And Lord, help us rout it out. Help us dig it out, prize it out, root it out through prayer, through faith, through confession, through renouncing, through standing on the promises of God, through wielding the sword of the Spirit and knowing that that sword is sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts through everything. It is the ultimate weapon. And I thank you, Father, that you promised every one of us that no weapon, no assignment of the enemy, no scheme or tactic, no plan that he has for us can ever prosper if we stand strong in the Spirit of God, if we submit to God and His wisdom and His plan for our life, if we walk in obedience, if we feed on God's Word, if we have a dynamic prayer life, if we stand strong and resist the devil, he will flee. Thank you for that promise, Lord. Today, Lord, my prayer is that courage would come, that boldness would come, that a strong spiritual backbone would be would, would be coming and knitting together in people's lives where there's been passivity, Lord, where we've been lazy. Lord, I come against that in Jesus' name. And Lord, we confess that that is sin, that at times in all our lives we haven't been vigilant, we haven't been watchful and alert. We've let the enemy come in and attack our children and attack our marriages and rob and steal, but no more. No more. We're going to rise up as an army. We're going to declare your kingdom authority over our lives. And we're going to walk in truth and we're going to walk in the light. And anything that's in our life that's not in the light, that's still hidden in the shadows, that's still a foothold for the enemy. Lord, my prayer is simply, Father, humble us and give us courage to bring it out, to confess it, to acknowledge it to let you bring your healing power, to let you unlock the chains that bind us and set us free. Lord, you want every one of us to be whole. You don't want us to have this big 
area of damage in our mind or our soul or our physicality where the enemy can keep coming. You want to heal the wounds. You want to bind the brokenhearted. You want to bring the oil of joy where there's been disappointment and, and sadness. You want to put on us a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, a crown of ashes, uh, beauty instead of ashes. Lord, they're your promises that the Spirit of God will come and restore and renew and make us whole. Lord, give us courage today to seek help if we need it. But Lord, help us just in our own minds to fight that battle and win it, to stand our ground. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Mm. Lord, we're going to go to the enemy's camp. We're going to take back what he's stolen from us. Because my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Pushing back pushing back, pushing way back the enemy. You have no right because my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's a little song that I've learned. And when the enemy comes, that's what I tell him. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Pushing back, pushing back, way back. Pushing back, pushing back, way back. Because my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And I get angry sometimes, and I think that's okay. I think God gives us permission to do that. I think it's healthy for our well-being to rise up and fight. My prayer this week is that you will live in victory. That you are more than conquerors. Don't give the enemy any foothold. Root it out. Let's sing Roscoe and finish up.